What's going on, world? This is Master Ace from Brooklyn, New York. And this is Marco Polo, Toronto, Canada. And you're checking out We Going In Presents. Let's go. So welcome to We Going In Presents, joined by the legendary Master Ace. Ace, I always appreciate the fact that you make time for We Going In Presents and to have conversations. So first off, just thank you so much in this busy time of promoting Richmond Hill that you made time to, to talk. I really do appreciate that. Nah, not a problem at all, man. Looking forward to the conversation. Man, so for, so first off too, just Richmond Hill, congratulations on such an incredible project. You know, so far, when you look at the response, what what what's going through your mind reading social media, you know, talking to fans, just hearing what folks are thinking and how they're processing Richmond Hill? Man, it's overwhelming. People people like this album. You know, um, I never go into a project with any expectations or assumptions. I just go in and do the do the music that feels good to me. We do the music that feels good to us, and we hope that the people like it. But the response has really been pretty overwhelming. Um, and the amount of different songs that people are citing as their favorite is a good sign when you have people when you have four, five, six, even seven different songs that people are saying is their favorite, that's like, that means that you put something pretty good together. So I'm glad that it's resonating with the fans. It's also resonating with some of our contemporaries because I've been getting feedback from a lot of artists, a lot of producers, friends of mine that I've known for years who've never sent me a comment about a project that I put out that are, that are reaching out to me with comments and with, you know, feedback and with, you know, their favorite songs. So that, that that's that's a plus. That's a bonus. That that's amazing. You know, when you think about those favorites, are you ever surprised by the favorites that fans identify? And do you have a personal favorite off Richmond Hill? I have a couple, man. Um, I, it never surprises me. The, the fans, the different songs. It's, it's such a wide spectrum of of favorite songs. Like, I think I want to say at at least every song has been mentioned by one one or one fan or another that that they felt like that was their favorite or that they liked the most. Um, the one that surprised me the most were, was Connections um, because I really thought that that song was going to go over most people's heads what I was doing on that song I felt like even when I wrote, when I did it I was like this is probably not going to be on the album because it's just people going to be like what's happening right now because I actually played it for my wife I played it for a couple of friends of mine who rap to see if they got it and they were like I don't get it and I was like alright that's fine you know um, so it was it was if if anything it was going to be one of those personal kind of pleasures that I'm just going to I'm just going to do this for me if nobody else gets it it'll just be for me um but people are like giving me feedback not just fans but people who I respect who are producers and writers and MCs that are like yo I like what you did on that song I'm like you got that and they were like duh yeah I got that like come on so that's pretty cool that makes it that makes it more rewarding when you when you do something as a writer that's a little bit outside of the norm, outside of the the, the, the box, and people respond to it and have a have a reaction to it. That makes it that much better. And, and I feel like you're an artist because you you're such an intricate writer with incredible story storytelling tracks and wordplay that fans listen to your music differently than they might listen to others. Like they listen at a deeper level. Like I feel like someone like Jay-Z always got this respect where fans are finding meanings that maybe Jay didn't even intend to have in his music because of how much they're, they're listening yeah. and sometimes even overanalyzing. Like 
what does it mean to you to have fans listening to your music that close to and really analyzing and understanding and taking the time and not just saying listening one time through like a lot like what happens with a lot of projects and saying oh it's a cool project like what's that what else is out there but really you're like a a repeat rewind type of mc for sure i love that man it makes it worthwhile it means it means that whatever those extra hours that you decided to put together this concept or this song or these lyrics or this rhyme scheme it was it, it was worthwhile people heard it understood it got it and gave you feedback about it you know that doesn't happen in all cases so i love the fact that people are willing to listen beyond the radio hit or the you know whatever that popular single is that that they're listening to the album because that's what this is this is an album this isn't just a uh, collection of songs yes and 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 what was that process like when you're thinking about you know because marco's give always giving you credit for like you know ace is the mc he's the mastermind behind putting all this together mm -hmm. like what's that process like when you're thinking about like we're starting this album and by the end of it we're going to have this amazing narrative and collection of songs that really like weave together really nicely like how, how do you how do you make that happen uh most of those ideas and thoughts come to me at three, four, five in the morning. Uh, you know, I'm laying in bed and I'm thinking about the album and the songs and what the what it is that I want to say within the skits or the narrative of the album. And I, you know, when I start thinking of stuff, I grab my phone, I open up a memo, and I start typing ideas and thoughts and even um, parts of of dialogue that that the skits are, the persons are going to say and i just write it in my phone and then i come back to it later in the day or sometimes it's a couple days later a week later i come back to it and i read what i wrote at four in the morning and i'm like i don't know what the hell i wrote here or oh this is dope i, I like i forgot that i wrote this or thought of this but now now i'm glad i wrote it down because now i can translate it and create this you know this narrative or this storyline um yeah, those things come to me when I'm not trying to think about them. You know, if you give me a you know a pen and paper and go, hey, come up with some skits, it's not going to be the same as if it, it when it just comes organically in the middle of the night. That's when I get my best ideas. That's amazing. And and, <clears throat> and what do you think it is about you as an MC that allows you to really bring your stories to life? Like you've gotten a lot of credit from. Um, you know, so many different artists, including Eminem, about just your storytelling ability and just being able to really make people feel the stories where it just goes beyond like, oh, this is the story track on the album to like, people can really feel it. Like, th and there's a difference between this is a story or this is a master ace story. Like, how do you craft those narratives and really bring stories to life? I feel like I've always, as a young kid, had that in me to to tell, because I was an avid reader when I was young. So I loved books that um, were very descriptive and, and in a way that when I read the words, I could picture exactly what the, 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 the author was trying to describe. And so, you know, from those times as a young writer, anytime I wrote anything, I always tried to make it super descriptive. I wanted you to be able to... <clears throat> Not just imagine, but to to see it, to, to smell it, to to sense what the what was happening in that room or what the feeling was in that room, 
Um, and so I would always try to be as descriptive as possible. And that just carried over to music eventually. Um, but I took a lot of creative writing courses in college. Um, I had a lot of interest in that. Um, you know, when I was in high school, you know, AP English, like I was, I was that kid. Um, so I was very much into writing and I, I really believe that I'm a writer at heart. It's not even so much a rapper at heart, but it's a writer at heart. And so the writing comes really naturally to me. Um, and I'm, I feel really, it's where, it's my happy place. When I can write stories and, and create stories, that's my happy place. So I try to go there as often as I can. No, that that's incredible. I love hearing that. Like, do you see that? Is that why you're able to branch off into the musical? And building off of that, do you have other writing projects or ideas or genres that you want to explore exactly that's how that's there was a natural progression into writing theater um i before i even started writing the um the musical i was writing um a tv show i have a i have a pilot three i have three episodes of 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 a tv show idea that i that i'm really super excited about um screenplay as well so these are all areas where i'm gonna you know expand and extend my my writing to these different mediums to kind of just i want to i want to try it all you know who knows what will hit or what will be well received what won't but i'm going to try it all i'm going to try movies i'm going to try tv i'm going to try theater um these are all projects that i have on my laptop that i'm eventually going to the world's going to get a chance to see all of them. That's super exciting. You know, and thinking about yourself as a writer too, your videos have always been super visual, like really amazing stories and just like a journey unto itself, you know, whether it's, we're looking at music, man, um, all the way through, you know, like I just have always enjoyed a master ace video and you just dropped Jordan theory and then you had life music. Like, what's your role in creating these like visual narratives? I um <clears throat> I usually give the director kind of what I see, um, but I but I do try to trust these directors because, like Paris, Paris, uh, for example, Paris Stewart, who did the life music video, he also did the Brooklyn video for the first album. Um, he's um just a phenomenal director and so for somebody like him who has his own vision um i trust him that much where i come in and just do the performance parts and we have a we have a basic conversation about what the song is about um i'll give him what i kind of see or envision it being and from there he just goes out and he shoots the whole entire rest of the video. And, you know, with the life music video, with the guy jogging and everything like that, like that was totally, totally him. Um, but he pulled it together in a, in an amazing way. Um, and made it, and he always makes it look incredible, you know, because he is a high level filmographer. So I told him, you might have to, she may have to shoot my TV show for me, you know, when the time comes, because I just respect him that much, his ability. Um, but like, even with the Jordan theory, you know, um, shout out to my guy Anders. Um, he, he was the one who told us about, you know, this green screen video idea um, with this shoe box, with the world inside the shoe box. And 
everything that he was describing, I couldn't picture. I was like, bro, I, I don't know what you're talking what you're talking about. I'm just gonna trust you. I'm gonna show up. I'm gonna shoot my parts, and I'm just gonna trust you. And and he delivered an amazing, um, incredible video for, for for the fact that we were just in a room in a green screen room, and it turned well, he turned it into it's like beyond beyond what I thought it would be. I mean, the, the whole museum was incredible. Like that, yeah. like the visuals there, and that that was all green screen. All green screen. Wow. No, that that was absolutely incredible. What what inspired Jordan Theory, um, which is you know such such an incredible song, um, looking at childhood and adulthood and materialism and everything. Like, how what what inspired that? Um, that's one of the joints I wrote in Barbados. I, I you know the beat, the beat the beat kind of sent me in a in a particular direction, um, and I had the hook first. But I didn't know what the I didn't know what I was talking about. I just some something was just saying, uh, uh-uh, uh, no. That 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 cadence came to me before the rhymes came to me, and then and then the story itself started to take shape. And it was it was inspired by thinking about my younger years and how as an how as an adults like guys who are my peers. Um, will spend just exorbitant amounts of money on material items just because when they were young, they couldn't afford any of it. So uh, we find ourselves sort of overcompensating for what we didn't have when we were young. And so you see that across the board, the athletes, young athletes, you know, 20 year olds, they get to the NFL, they get this huge contract, millions of dollars, they go out and buy all kind of nonsense. And it's because they come from nothing. They come from poverty. And so a lot of times people who have, who have lived their lives with, with, with their families were wealthy from the time that they were born. They can't relate to it. They don't understand why someone would spend, why are you spending this much money on a car or, or a house or whatever, they don't, they can't relate to it. So it was just me trying to, you know, trying to trying to create some dialogue around this this conversation, um, trying to be thought provoking. And there's a lot of there's a big comment. There's a much larger conversation there when we talk about it. But um, yeah, I just remember like not being able to get. The, the high priced items and we had to get the, you know, we had to get the shell toes cause those was only $32. Cause that's what, that's what mom could afford. So, um, just, we just harking back to, to those years. And then us as adults with how we spend our money. Now I was a sneakerhead for, for a long time. And it wasn't, I got my priorities straight once my wife got pregnant with our daughter, because all of a sudden it wasn't about me anymore. I couldn't just go out there and just, buying what I saw some sneakers, I'm getting them. Like, no, that money needs to be for the baby now. So I I I I had to curb my habits. Um and life does that to you sometimes. But well for some guys they they struggle with it. And so they, they're still out there, you know, spending unnecessary money on on, on material items that they don't need. Mm-hmm. Um so like I said, the song is just a way to start a a, a, a broader dialogue. No, I appreciate that. And, and and even thinking about the way money problems follows, whether you have PPE and then outside in, like 
how did you sequence Richmond Hill and really lay out the tracks to be like in a thoughtful way? Man, listen, I pen and pen and paper, um, writing the titles down, scratching them all off, throwing that paper out, taking out another piece of paper and writing them again. I had to see it visually. I have to see it on paper. Like I, I couldn't, I couldn't type it in my phone. I had to write them, handwrite them in, to kind of figure out what looked right. What does it feel right that this song goes into this song? Does it feel right that this song follows that song? And generally, it took me a few weeks to kind of settle in on the sequence. But you know, Marco trusted me with the sequencing of the album. Um, when we when we did when we did um when we did Brooklyn Heights, he he thought that the, he thought I was saving that as the last song, but I I didn't even tell him I was like nah this is gonna be the first song, but we recorded it early in the process so um but my plan was always that that was gonna set the album off um. And when I said when, when he saw when he saw that I put that first, he's like, "Oh wow!" I'm like, "Yeah, this is the right this is the right tone setter for the album." And the same case with 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 the, with the first album in 2018, the Brooklyn Story album. Same thing with that with that intro. Um, <clears throat> so Kings, same exact thing. He thought Kings was going to be the final song on the album, and I and I made it the first song, um, but. He trusts me, man. He trusts me to kind of come up with the right sequences. Um, he, and he really doesn't even, <clears throat> he doesn't even like really push back. Like he's like, okay, that's the sequence. Let's do it. Like you guys have that trust built it built up. Yeah. Yeah. It comes from years of working together. You know, we, Marco started, <clears throat> Marco went on a roll with us starting back in, I want to say 2007 was the mm. first tour that he did with us. Um, and he went out as a, he, him and Torrey were the op opening act for my group EMC. Mm. Um, and we did a tour in Canada before that as, as well with, with Marco. Torrey was on that tour as well. Um, but, you know, it was 20, it was 2006, 2007 was our first kind of times going out together and feeling each other out and that's when i we got to you know got to know each other from since then we've been we've been i, I don't know how many times we've been overseas together lost count that's amazing you know and when you think about you know you shout out biz Markey on brooklyn heights you know what what do you want fans to remember about biz and his legacy just that he was one of the greats, one of the great song makers, one of the great hip hop personalities. Um, his contribution to the culture is undeniable. Um, and we had we there were one of the bonus songs that was supposed to be on the album was a song called um, um, "Dear Biz." Um, the rhyme itself was actually featured in the do in business documentary. I said the rhyme in the documentary, but there's a version of that same rhyme to a beat to a Marco Polo beat. Um, and they just the the people who did the documentary decided to use the acapella version instead of the beat version. So I'm like, well, mm -hmm. y'all not gonna use the beat version. I'm I'm gonna use it on the album. 
The problem is I, I didn't get the album. I didn't get that song finished in time. I wanted to try to get another Juice Crew member to rap on it. Mm. Um, and I couldn't really nail anybody down to commit to doing a verse. So I just kind of set it to the side. Right now it's just a one verse song. I have some ideas on how I want to complete the record, but it'll be part of the deluxe version. When we drop the deluxe version of, of uh, Richmond Hill, it'll be on there along with a few yeah. other joints. That's amazing. No, I, I love the fact that you guys do the deluxe version, like especially when the Brooklyn Story deluxe version came out and we're in lockdown, like there couldn't have been a better time to get some new music like that when yeah. it seems like the world is falling apart around you. Definitely, definitely. You know, it, when, when you think too about the um, just Marco's production in general, like what do you find his production really brings out of you as an MC um, to, to be able to create the, you know these incredible songs so i had to really i had to really push marco um because he's that he's the boom bap guy like he if you leave it up to him every every joint will be like this boom bap smack you in the head with a baseball bat kind of beat and i had to like push him a little bit like yo you know that's not quite my lane my lane I, I need the tracks to have some beauty to them. They need to have, so I need to, I need strings. I need, I need more musicianship going on. And so he understood the, the assignment and he's like, I got you. And he started sending me joints that were more, I, I, I gravitate to beats that I feel like they, when I hear them, they're asking for a song to be written to them. Mm. as a, as opposed to oh that beat is not you know because he sends me beats and i'm like this is fire but this ain't for me mm. this is dope this is more like you should send that to mop um i need beats that pull some sort of a, emotional reaction from me and that's how i write my best songs when there's when there's an emotional attachment to the music that's when i write my best songs is that is that how like songs like plant based can come together like easier because it is so autobiographical and and you're telling you know a lot of just like sharing your experiences in your life in a song like that? Plant based was actually supposed to be for a compilation that that uh this restaurant there's a restaurant in Berlin that we used to go to, um, and they were doing a compilation album featuring all of the different because a lot of musicians go to this restaurant or went to this restaurant and they decided they wanted to do a compilation featuring all the artists that that come to their restaurant. So they asked for a song. They was like, as long as it's something somehow connected to food or eating. So I'm like, okay, so this particular beat, I didn't really have an idea for the album for it. So the beat was just mm. sitting there. I, I, it, probably, it probably wasn't even going to make the album. So I started making this song, the plant-based song, was for this compilation for the restaurant. Mm. And then once and then once the song was done, we're listening to it. I'm like, hmm. I don't think I don't think we're giving them this song. Like they they can't have this because we were just gonna give them the song. And I'm like, nah, they can't have this. We're gonna keep this for us. And that's how it made the album. It was something that was really made for another project and we decided to keep it for ourselves. That that's amazing. You know I talked to Wordsworth last week about what it meant to him 
to be the last voice on the album, you know, closing out all I want. And, you know, he talks about, you know, what an honor it was and also just, you know, your relationship over the years. Like, what does it mean to you to still be collaborating with artists, you know, like Wordsworth and having that relationship and, and that chemistry over records, um, but also a real life friendship. Like, like Word said, you guys, you know, text or talk almost every day. Yeah, that's my guy, man. We, you know, it, it, it's a no brainer to every time I do a project, I'm going to try to figure out is there a way for him to fit on, on the album, you know, um, just to always remind people, you know, the things that we did together as artists, the, the amount of touring and we shared stages around the world for two decades, literally. Like, you know, I, I first started touring with, with Punch of Words back in 2001. And all these years later, the connections are still there. So, you know, I knew that I wanted him on the album. I wasn't sure what song it was going to be. That particular song, All I Want, that beat was actually supposed to be for EMC. We were talking about that being an EMC song, a Christmas mm -hmm. song. And they were basically waiting for me to kind of set it off. And then him and Strick, they were going to do their parts. So that never happened. Um, we missed the, it was supposed to be Christmas 2021 that came and went and then the beat kind of sat and I was like, you know, I love this beat so much. I'm just going to put it on my, and then since Strix already going to be on another song, I'll just put words on it. And it's just to always remind people of that connection, that EMC connection to fam. So I'm glad that we were able to do that. And it was a perfect way to end the album too. It was. It was. It, I loved it, especially when you think about Marco being born on December 26th. It's almost like that song not coming out back when you were originally planning it. It all really did work out. The timing was. It worked out. Yep. Exactly. That's amazing. Um, especially when you think about these puzzle pieces that were kind of being made before Richmond Hill was even a thought um, is pretty wild. Yeah. Uh, is there talk of an EMC project? Is that something that that you guys are still considering? Or do you think like EMC is is kind of on pause for the time being? I mean, it's been on pause now for a minute, but right. we, we, we always toss around the thought, the idea, the possibility. Um, and I never say never. Um, something could always happen. We, we just all have to schedule wise, be on the same page timing wise and then finding the right music I, like our last conversation about emc i suggested that it we just pick one producer and we do the whole album with them with him him or her um and they were in agreement but then we were going through one producer folders of music and there wasn't like a consensus like this is the guy and mm. so that kind of put it that that kind of paused it, and that was like probably four years ago, maybe maybe five years ago when when we were talking about that. So it's not, it's it's not a never say never situation. It's just more of a we'll see when 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 things line up, they're gonna line up. Right. That's all. Yeah. And and I love that you that you featured Strickland on Life Music, and he told an incredible story that I just had no idea what he had been facing. And I really appreciate how he opened up, but Strick's another guy who I've always just loved as an MC. 
And, you know, you guys have such great chemistry on records, but also on stage together, you know, can you talk about what it's like working with Strickland, both like on songs, but also on stage? Man, he, he, uh, he's, he's the perfect compliment. He follows my lead when we're on stage, certain things I'll do. He just kind of goes with the flow. He delivers, um, he contributes a lot to the, to the show, to keeping people, keeping the people, um, engaged. Um, he balances the stage out. I'm over here doing what I'm doing. He's messing with people on the opposite side. You know, he, wherever I go, he just balances it out by, on the other side. Um, and he's he's a, he's a, he's an incredible MC. You know, his verse on life music that wasn't the original verse that he wrote. Um, I asked him for the first time of us working together. I asked him to go back and rewrite his verse and come up with something different because what he wrote was cool. It just I felt like he needed to speak about. His, his life experience of, of or his near-death experience, I felt like that should be spoke about. I didn't know he was going to be as detailed and specific as he was, um, but I just wanted him to pull pull from someplace else, like not just not just on no rapidy rap stuff. Like this song is called Life Music. Like you need to have a verse that speaks to that because you just because of what you just went through. And so it took him a few months. And he kept telling me, I, I think I got it. Not yet. I'm almost there. Um, and I know it was tough for him, but I'm glad. I, I think he's glad that he did it. I think he's glad that he that he delivered that verse the way that he did. That That's amazing. You know, um, Poison Pen called you, uh, you know, that it said that you're secretly a lot of people's template and how they structure their songs. And then uh, on Drink Champs, Method Man said how Music Man inspired Method Man, you know, with the whole man, the way he said man like that. Did you always feel like Music Man? Did you see the direct line from Music Man to Method Man, or is that like a new learning for you? And Meth said that on the podcast. That was that was new to me when I heard when I heard him say that. That was new information. I had heard him say in interviews before that there was there was one of my songs that he had wrote one of his songs to. I want to think. I think it might it might have been Bring the Pain. He wrote, he's like, I wrote that whole thing to a Master Ace beat, but he never said what beat it was. Mm. So so I never knew. And then, um, I mean, we were all, in some way, shape, or form, we were all around each other in those days, the 90s, man. Everybody was, you know, RZA was working in the same studio when he did the first Wu-Tang album. He was literally in the same studio that I was working in, like Firehouse. And so... We would, we would see each other coming, past each other coming in, going, I'm leaving, he's coming in. Um, so people, people over time, careers go different directions. People, some elevate, some descend. But when you look back in time, you realize like, man, we were all kind of on the same playing field at a certain point. And we were all around each other in some way at a certain point. So Everybody was accessible in those days. You could just pick up the phone and, yo, RZA, call meth for me and I want to talk to meth. Like, the accessibility is different now because there's different levels of fame, different levels of success. Um, but we can all appreciate the fact that we were all, in, in those days, we were all dressing the same, trying to make a way in this game, trying to figure out where, where we fit in, trying to come up with a hit record, trying to, 
you know, be that next hot dude. Like everybody was all on the same, same, same playing field. And, you know, it worked out better for some, not as good for others. Um, but we all, we were all there together. That that's really cool. I mean, and when we look at today, um, you know, in the past, artists might not have always been comfortable saying, "Hey, you inspired me to do this." And and today, I think a lot of artists are much more open and candid about giving flowers, um, which is like a term that's become much more normalized. Um, you know, what does it mean to you when you get those flowers today? Um, whether it's you know, be like, "Hey, you." you know, your music inspired this music or just artists shouting you out, you know, in podcast interviews and, and things of that nature. Like, cause I'm sure you don't hear all the love you get because it'd be impossible to keep up with everything. But like when you do, when it does trickle back to you, what does it mean to you? I guess it means that I was doing something right along the way. Um, the same way I inspire people, I was inspired by people. You know, the Rakims, the LLs, the KRS-1s, the Big Daddy Kings, those those are the guys that sort of set the bar for me as to what a great MC needed to be. So I sort of patterned my skill level on those guys because they were the bar. Um, and so we were all influenced by somebody. You know, nobody nobody woke up in a vacuum and just came up with these credible, incredible rhyme schemes that nobody ever heard before. It all came from somewhere. It was all inspired by something. So that's, you know, what I can say about that is it's, it's, it's great. But just know that the same way I inspire people, people inspire me. That's amazing. You know, how, how has your cycling been going too? You know, I, I appreciate the shout out, you know, to the Cannondale on the album, you know, how, how has that, you know, been going lately, especially when you look at how busy you are with everything Richmond Hill related? This past summer has been my slowest year in the past three years. Um, I started cycling in 2020. Um, and this past summer was my slowest summer in the last three because I got busy. It was a lot going on. Um, shows, traveling you know, getting our daughter ready for college. Like there was a lot of stuff happening and I, every weekend there was something happening and I was missing all these rides. Um, but, you know, the spring is coming. It's around the corner, although I'll be in Europe in May and June. Um, I'll, 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 you know, I'll tr I'm going to do my best to, to get in some, some good rides this summer if, if, if time permits. Believe me, I love riding, and as long as there's a window, a Saturday, a Sunday, you know, a Friday evening where there's nothing going on, and I can just throw in some gear, take my bike, and go out and do 15, 20 miles, I'm going to do it. Um, and hopefully my man Marco moves to, moves to, moves, moves to Jersey, then I have somebody to ride with, because a lot of guys I ride with, you know, they're advanced riders now. Like they, they go at a pace that I can't really keep up with because I haven't been riding. So I'm always in the back and that's no fun because you, you technically riding by yourself because these guys are gone. You know, you see them for the first five minutes of the ride and then they take off and then you, you're done. So try to find people that I can ride with that are my speed, my pace. Um, and 
I'll probably try to come up with a you know just a group of guys that are on my level and ride and ride with them. But I'm gonna keep riding. That that's amazing. And 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 congrats too to you know your daughter starting college. Um, do you get a chance to get down to to visit her? You know, um, you know, and how pr- how proud are you too of her getting getting you know through that first semester? That that's always probably the hardest one, right? It was. It was super challenging. Um, calculus was really giving her a hard time, and she was struggling with it, but. She she passed calculus. She was it's the first C she ever got that she was like, I'll take it. Like she was yeah. happy to get she was happy with it. Um not super proud. We see her a lot because she's just in Philly. It's not far. Um she actually coming home this weekend. Like we we drive down, scoop her up, bring her back up and spend weekend with her. Or sometimes we'll just go out there and hang with her. Um, but the proximity is great, but it's far enough that she knows that she's away at school. It's not like you know, she can just jump on a, you know, local bus and come home. It's 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 a it's far enough that she knows she's away. I'll say that. But super proud. And um semester two is underway right now. That that's amazing. And I and I feel like that's the right distance. You know, that that that's what happened. I went six hours away from my parents and it was nice because I could get home. Yeah. It was a little too far. Like I could get home. But like I knew they're not going to surprise me either because they're not going to drive yeah. six hours. So six six hours as far. It is, you know, and, and and it's also really cool and inspiring to see how you're working with your wife on the musical. You know how how is the musical coming at this point? Because um, it's been a few months since we've checked in, um, and that's that's another you know thing that you're working on that I'm just super excited about. So I um, just wanted to check in on that. It's going well. Um, we actually we just had a meeting on. Um, on Monday with um, Brooklyn Academy of Music, downtown Brooklyn. And we're talking about possibly bringing a rendition of the, sh- the show to BAM for limited, you know, maybe, I don't know, 10 to ten to 14 shows. Um, so a little run in, in Brooklyn and the following week trying to do a, a similar run in Newark at uh, NJ Pack. So mm-hmm. these are these are these are things that are being talked about. Um, if as long as we can figure out the funding for it, how it, how that would all work, definitely want to do that because we need to do a because all we've done so far is a, what's called a stage reading where the actors have the books in their hand and they're walking around with their stands and chairs and there's no set. So this will be a little bit more advanced version of that where there'll actually be some scenery, some furniture, some backdrops or projection to really give you the idea of that you're in a different room. So the goal is fall of this year is to be at BAM and to be at NJPAC and maybe even a few other performance art centers around New Jersey and New York if, if they will have us and if they have the funding to do it. But ultimately, you know, the North Star is London, West End and London. That's where we want to be. That's where we want to end up. And that's still the goal. That's amazing. You know, you also uh, came back to work with Deck a second time. You know, you you had Kill Too Hard and now you have Hero. What was it like working with Deck this time around? Um, and especially thinking that you guys have two incredible songs together at this point. It's always, when people say work together, it's always like a misnomer because... And a lot of these cases, most of these cases, we're not in the room together. Mm. Like, you know, like Marco said, Deck, he sent the beat out to him. 
the, the next evening we had the verse. Mm. Um, so there was it's not like we were in the room and he we were watching him write his verse. Like we sent him the beat, the beat, and the verse came the next day. Um, so it's a little, you know, deceiving when you say work together. I would love to be able to be in the room and us vibing out and you know talking about the song and coming up with hook ideas together and all of that. But in today's music, it's just not that way. Uh, and right. so it, it it's great to be on two songs and inspect the deck. Um, but in neither case were we actually working together. Like I hadn't even, I hadn't even, I, I didn't even hear um, that other record, the hard to kill record. I didn't hear that until it was completely finished. I, I only had oh. heard my verse. And then the next time I heard it, it was a completed song. Wow. You know, though, I, um, I feel though, like you as an, as an MC too, like you bring out the best in your collaborators, you know, like, like blue delivered an absolutely incredible verse on below the clouds and, yep. you know, everybody on the album really was incredible. You know, Wordsworth Strickland, like Shay, like, you know, you, you can't say anybody didn't bring their a game, you know, do you feel like you just, you know, because you're master ace and everyone knows what you do that, that they're bringing their a game every time, you know, that they work with you. I don't know if it has anything to do with me. I just think that we we, we pick the right people. We pick people that we know are gonna do their thing, and 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 they did. So I think we trusted that these artists that we picked, it wasn't gonna nobody was gonna drop the ball or give us a whack verse. We we were confident mm -hmm. that everybody was gonna knock it out the park, and they and, and they did. You know. And you and you've got a, a European run coming up in the spring. Um, what's next for Ace at this point? You know, when you look at Richmond Hill, but also just everything going on in general um, as you look towards the next few months. Well, certainly going to be trying to chase down some U.S. dates as well as some Canadian dates. We need to really. I haven't done a, a tour in Canada since twenty. Let's see, twenty twelve. We might have been twenty twelve, man. Twenty thirteen. That's the last time I did a Canadian, a full Canadian run. It's been a minute. So it's time. Um, and Marco being Canadian, like they've been waiting for us. We just got to find the right agent to, to, to put together a coast to coast. Because the, the last three times I did Canada, it was coast to coast. We started on the east and ended up on the west. And they were great runs. Um, and it's time to do another one of those. The problem with those last tours, the reason I stopped doing them is because they were always in the winter. Mm. And driving through Canada in the winter is brutal. It's dangerous. You know, you find yourself on snow-covered roads a lot. And it's like, this is not safe. Like, we, So I said after that last one, I'm like, I'm not doing a, another winter tour in, in, in Canada. We're going to have to be spring, summer, but not not winter. Not dead mm. or winter. Maybe fall, but not, not winter. Yeah. Well, the album is Richmond Hill, and everybody really needs to stream that if you haven't checked it out already. You know, the vinyl is available on fatbeats.com. Um, Ace, man, I really, really, really appreciate you taking the time to talk today and really break down your album um, and just share your, your insights into your creativity and, and everything that you do, because you're one of my all-time favorite artists. So having you on the podcast is a true honor. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me on here. And um, thanks for bigging the album up. And we're going to keep spreading that word. You know, next single, we're just going to keep it moving.